The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to our number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning. It is 8.03 on your hump day here in Tucson. And whether you're listening to us on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or via your Alexa-enabled devices, I appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show. I know that you have a choice of where to lend your ears for your sports news, entertainment, opinions, uh, all that stuff. And I appreciate you guys choosing the uh, the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show here on ESPN Tucson. Uh, before I move on from Arizona baseball, I neglected to uh, to acknowledge the young men who were acknowledged by the Pac-12 uh, yesterday for the Pac-12 all-conference baseball team. Of course, sophomore catcher Daniel Susak, he was the freshman of the year last year and continues his torrid pace on the Pac-12 and to the major leagues uh, as, a, as a Wildcat. Just one of the many, many, many proud Wildcats that's going to be heading into uh, to Major League Baseball uh, by the, when, the time, when his time here in, uh, in Tucson is done. But he, uh, you know, essentially, you know, the, the, the top-ranking catcher in the league, he leads the Pac-12 in total hits. <clears throat> He's also... Uh, I think he's fourth or fifth in batting average. He's top five in total bases and doubles. He's top five in RBI. He's you know one of the best players in the country. In fact, he's been named one of the semifinalists for the National Golden Spikes Award, which is the best player in the country. So a, a nice honor for him to be named one of the uh, I think it's thirty-one of them total semifinalists. For the, uh, the the very, very hallowed Golden Spikes Award. You look at a list of the guys who've won Golden Spikes, you're like, wow. <laughs> There's some names on that list. Um, so congratulations to uh, to Daniel Susak. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal baseball player uh, and a great young man, too. Uh, also on the first team all-conference baseball list for the, uh, for the Pac-12 for the Wildcats this year, outfielder Tanner Otremba, who uh, is a fourth-year player. Had a wonderful season this year, his chance to be uh, the, the full-time starter in right field. He is currently in the top five in the conference in hits also, alongside uh, Daniel Susak there. Uh, he is in the top five in total bases, on base percentage, uh, and RBIs as well. And just outside the top five in, uh, in batting average, he hit three fifty eight this year for the Wildcats. And reliever Quinn Flanagan also on the uh, on the first team of the All Pac-12, he one of the best uh, relievers in the entire league this year. Uh, fifth year player this year, he has he's got the best ERA on the team, one point four seven. He's made twenty nine appearances, which is I I know that's a team high, and it might be close to a league high as well. He's got a phenomenal strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, and a great whip in his appearances. He's also won four games this year for the Wildcats. Two other Wildcat players earned honorable mention acknowledgement from the conference in uh, in baseball this year. Left-handed pitcher Garrett Irvin, who has been really, really good, uh, is second in the uh, in the conference in total innings pitched. 
uh, has a phenomenal ERA at 2.65, especially in this league, and there's a lot of hitter-friendly parks in the Pac-12. Has only allowed 67 hits in his 85 innings pitched. Has been fantastic. His record, not indicative of how well he has pitched. He's 5-3 this year in his 14 starts, but not indicative of how well he has pitched. Uh, And also, Crash Davis, Crush Davis, whatever you want to call him, Chase Davis, the, uh, the the sophomore phenom, uh, second in the in the country. I'm sorry, second in the in the conference in uh, in home runs. Hit 16 home runs this year. A couple of them, real big dingers uh, for the Wildcats this year. Obviously, some walk off shots and some monster moon bombs as well. It has been fun to watch. Um, and he's uh, fifth in the in the conference in total walks as well. So congratulations to those guys. I thought that. As many did others, uh, there was there was a, some hype around Nick McClowry, the shortstop, uh, about him being put on, you know, the uh, maybe not the the all conference, but certainly the all defensive team. He leads the the conference in total assists with only five errors on the season. Didn't make the all defensive team, which I know shortstop is one of those positions where. You know, you put your best player, basically. You know, put one of your best athletes. You know, at shortstop has got to be someone who you know is is a you know. How many times have you know shortstops in college gone on to play some other position in baseball and be really good at that position? It's happened a lot. Uh, uh, why can't I think of his name now? All of a sudden, Trevor Hoffman. Thank you. In my own mind, there, Trevor Hoffman. Uh, shortstop at Arizona, obviously went on to be one of the greatest closers of all time. So that's just one of many uh, that, uh, that 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 are out there that happened. So Nick McClowry not making the all-defensive team, uh, it, it it sucks. He had a great season, is still having a great season, um, and it doesn't diminish what he's done. It just shows you how good the shortstops are in this league, and they really are that good. There, there are some phenomenal players in this league as we'll see in this uh, this Pac-12 baseball tournament coming up that starts today in Scottsdale. I'll be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Looking forward to uh, announcing the games there and hopefully announcing a championship for the Arizona Wildcats on Sunday night, but we will see. Let's talk some NFL. I do that every single day here. That is my promise to you, of course, as we, uh, you know, as we, we, you know, we understand here at the Jeff Dean Show what, moves the needle, what you guys want to talk about, what you guys want to hear. And NFL always is at the top of that list. Now, last night on HBO, on the, on Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel, the two of the 22 accusers of Deshaun Watson in the sexual misconduct case came forward and publicly, you know, essentially, you know, made themselves known, uh, you know, publicly about who they are and some of the things that they went through. In the uh, you know in that um, you know in that whole you know, thing that you know that went on with with Deshaun Watson uh, in that uh, in that case. Now the two women that came forward, I, I you know I, I watched I watched the the show, um, Ashley Solis and um, uh, Kyra Hayes are the two women who who came forward. Two of the twenty two women that came forward and gave their accounts of what happened. Now I'm not going to go through. I'm, I'll leave that up to you. It would be indecent of me to repeat the things that they said on HBO last night, first of all, uh, because the FCC probably wouldn't allow me to say that on a morning show like this. Late at night, I can, you know, I can, and I could do it on, if this were a paid program or a podcast, I'd be able to tell you everything that they said. Uh, but 
for the purposes of protecting the license here at ESPN Tucson, I'm going to abstain from uh, from repeating the things that were said. I will say this, though. I went into it with an open mind, albeit I knowing that it was only two accounts of the 22 that were out there, I was thinking that maybe these were the two glory hounds, the two that were looking for fame and fortune, and that they were going to, I don't want to say embellish, I I I I got the I had the original feeling that maybe they were looking for a little something other than justice. Let's just put it that way. After watching the show, I came away with the realization that these two women were legitimately affected physically, emotionally affected by the actions of Deshaun Watson, of the alleged, sorry, the alleged actions of Deshaun Watson. I felt like <clears throat> their accounts of the of the events were very uh, were, were were very genuine. It seemed to me like they. I read people very well. Uh, just you know, just it's it's. I've done it my entire life. I've been able to just read people extremely well. I can tell when somebody's lying to me. I just I just know these things. These women did not appear to be lying, embellishing, making anything up. They seemed very genuine in what they were saying, which starts to you know, make you wonder what some of the worst things, because according to the reports and stuff, that these, the, the accounts that these women gave were not the worst things that Deshaun Watson had done in the presence of these massage therapists. These two women seemed, one of them certainly seemed very, very much affected by what had happened to her and her accounts of what had happened in her encounter with Deshaun Watson. Roger Goodell came out last night. And interestingly, it just kind of so, just so happened that uh, uh, coincidentally at the same time as the NFL ownership meetings are going on, Roger Goodell said last night in a, uh, in a you know in, a, in a, essentially in a statement he told reporters. He said, I can't give you a timeline in regards to what's happening with the, uh, with the, the, the Deshaun Watson ruling. He says, I can't give you a timeline, but we are nearing the end of the investigation period, and then it will be handled by our disciplinary officer. Now, the disciplinary officer is a person who has been hired jointly by the NFL and the NFLPA. He's being paid essentially, or this person, I should say, I shouldn't say he, we don't know who it is. Um, this person is being paid equally by both the NFL and the NFL's Players Association. That person is going to make the decision on how to discipline Deshaun Watson once the NFL has conducted and wrapped up their case. Now, it sounds like it's going to happen a lot sooner than later, and we've been, you know, we've been talking about it here on this show for quite some time because the clock has been ticking on this, and. Everybody needs to know. Like the parties involved need to know. I'm not talking about the fans and the media and stuff like that. Yeah, sure, we'd like to know, and we'll get to know eventually. But there are parties involved here that need to know exactly what is going to be happening with Deshaun Watson in the 2022 NFL season. So it sounds like that decision is coming very, very soon. I don't think in any way, shape, or form what came out on HBO last night will affect what the NFL has uh, you know has, has been investigating that was you know merely for 
the fans, uh, you know, for for the for the public out there, to kind of get a a look into uh, what was you know what was happening and some of the things we've all we've all been wondering. Oh, what you know, what was it? What was he you know what was he doing? What was you know what was he doing with him? Uh, and look, in in certain instances, it appears that he was forceful in his actions, which is uh, look these are inexcusable things. If if this if this is true, you can't like twenty two times. Like come on. Uh, just it's not there's something wrong like if, you, if you're doing this like there's something there's something wrong with you like if you're out there and you're doing this to innocent people who you don't even know like uh, oh man uh, I'm, see i'm getting worked up here and now i like now i'm upset again because there are things going on in our world that i don't like i i don't equate myself to like i can't I can't get on that level. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're stooping to their level when you say, when you hear people, you know, calling names or whatever, whatever you know, they're getting revenge. You're stooping to their level. So, like, it's so, it is, I, I have these conversations all the time. And I, look, I watch shows about, you know, serial killers or, or whatever. And they're always so shocking to me because it's like, how, how does the human brain, like, think that that is an actionable motive you know to go and do something like I, I i don't understand these things because my own brain it's difficult for me to wrap my my mind around it because i don't think that way i'm not on these people's level so it's like when you hear these types of things and you see what's going on and you hear that there's 22 cases against him for sexual misconduct this is not like two women stepping forward this is also in my opinion not a situation where you have like one of the numerous Hollywood actors who were the subject of essentially dogpiling by uh, anonymous women who were looking to get rich from basically jumping on these. And many, many, many of those were considered to be faulty allegations and all this other stuff uh, that was proven in a court of law. This is a situation where 22 women have stepped forward. They're all very, very unique in their you know, in their place of work, in their place of business, is not just some random woman he met at a bar that is claiming that he did this. These are professionals who he went to go seek for a a a service, a professional, perfectly legal service of getting a massage, and took the liberties to get his jollies off of these poor women that he never even met before. So. Look, if the NFL hands down a one-year suspension, fine. I'm totally happy with that. I, uh, I mean, there's just no place for that. There, there really isn't. And I know that a lot of people are upset, including the women. I mean, they talked about it on the show last night, that they felt like it's a slap in the face that he would be signed to a $230 million deal while this is all going on. And, you know, one of them had said, you know, I, I, feel, like, I feel like just because – he can, you know, he can run fast and he can throw a football. Then that supersedes his character as a human being. Well, <laughs> in the world of big, big business, big money, show business, entertainment, all that kind of stuff, I can listen. <laughs> I have a, a very, very close friend who grew up in Tucson. Whom, if I if I said this person's name, many of you would be like, "Oh, I know that person," because they were a a public figure in the city of Tucson. They no longer live in the city of Tucson, and they haven't lived there for quite some time. They went off to go do other things. 
Now, this particular person ended up being a publicist in Hollywood. And this person worked for several, and I, and I mean, like, biggest names in the business at the time that they were working in Hollywood. This person worked with literally two of the biggest names in Hollywood. Person, good friend of mine, grew up with this person. And the things that they told me that go on behind the scenes in Hollywood would shock you. Like, you what? That happens? Nobody knows about it because they all keep it secret. It's all, it's all a, you know, a fraternity and a sorority there. They don't let anything outside of, uh, you know, because everything is a show here. Everything is behind the curtain. It's all the Wizard of Oz there in, in Hollywood and in the world of entertainment. And in sports, I'm telling you, folks, I've been around the business long enough. I've been in the locker rooms. I've sat in offices with coaches talking very, very candidly and off the record about things. And the amount of the amount of information, the amount of newsworthy stuff that never gets out would shock you. It, I mean, it would absolutely shock you. And you know what the funny thing is? is so many people, people, former journalists, former people that worked in the business, whether they be front office or even players, have written books about stuff that, you know, you didn't know occurred. People read the books and like, that can't be true. That's not, this guy's just making, this guy's just trying to sell a book. (laughs) In, In my time, and I'm sure that many of you feel the same way, in your time spent here on earth, dealing with individuals, dealing with people, humanity, whatever have you. I'll, more times than not, you, you come across that, uh, that, that famous phrase that you can't make this up, right? Like, you, you, can't, you can't make this stuff up. Or sometimes the truth is more unbelievable than the lie. You hear that all the time, too. The things that are truthful would be more shocking to you than the actual lie. The, the lie is more believable than the truth. Because most of us, can't, like me, can't wrap our brains around why someone would do that or why these people would act this way or why this would be such a, a, you know, a a secretive thing or, you know, whatever is going on. So that is why we sit there and say, that can't be true. That that can't be true. (laughs) I I mean, look, I've thought about writing a book, like when I'm done here, when I'm retired, when I decide to hang up the old headphones and turn the microphone off for the last time. I had thought about writing a book about my experiences and stuff, but it would only be one man's word. You know, these are this is what I you know this is what I saw and this is what I heard and this is what this person told me and stuff. And the other party could deny or they could you know refute or whatever. And it would just I think for the most part I think it would fall on deaf ears. So that's why I probably won't spend the time writing the book because what good would it do? I mean, it might be entertaining, sure. I'm a pretty entertaining storyteller, I guess, but I, I, I don't know if any impact would be made other than just being like, huh, that's a funny story. That's a, that's a good story. Nice try, Jeff. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> but I'm telling you, like, oh, my God. Like, there's uh, – yeah. <laughs> these, and, look, these are things that I'm not going to share publicly. These are, this, it's not my place to do that. But I, like to, I always like to caution people. Like, just – you know, if if something sounds unbelievable, it's probably more believable than you think. It's probably more real, more true than you want to believe it to be. To keep your mind open, keep your keep your 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 thoughts awake 
keep you know keep a a, a broadened look keep your eyes open keep your peripheral vision open i mean you've always got to be being open and receptive to things that you thought were completely off the books. That's all I'm saying. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We'll continue to talk some NFL here as the NFL is scheduled to be launching, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you guessed it, a paid streaming service. Guess what it's going to be called? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, the NBA playoffs, this specifically the conference finals, getting ready to wrap up. Only a few games left, which means you don't have much time left to get in your SGPs, your no-sweat SGP and uh, getting in on that, which makes you feel like a winner because you are a winner every single time you engage in the NBA's no sweat SGP. What is that? You ask? Well, all customers can place a no sweat same game parlay each week on an NBA game. And if you don't win, then FanDuel is going to compensate you with up to $20 in free bets. So what you do is you go into the FanDuel Sportsbook app, you find the No Sweat SGP promo button, click on that, opt into that, pick your parlay. Like tonight, for instance, I have my I have my No Sweat SGP going tonight. My No Sweat SGP tonight is the Miami Heat money line. I have Jimmy Butler over 24 and a half points and I have Jimmy Butler over one half of a three-pointer. So all he has to do is hit one three-pointer score 25 points, and for the Miami Heat to win, which I think they will, probably by 35 points because that's an unwatchable series. And in that, I'll win a plus 345 stake in that one. So the odds, it's just a a little three-game parlay, a little three-card parlay, but that's kind of what I like. And you know what? If I don't win, FanDuel is going to compensate me with $20 in free bets, which means I'll get to play literally with house money, which is a hell of a lot of fun, by the way. Now, FanDuel has so many ways for you to customize your parlays your way. And best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid faster than an inbounds alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton. Now, if you're new to FanDuel, great. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up with my promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, to enjoy access to even more great promotions like this one. Now, once again, that's my promo code DEAN exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And, of course, if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. So lace them up this NBA postseason. You've only got a limited time left to get up to $20 in free bets if your SGP doesn't win with FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. 21 and present, uh, 21 and over and present in Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet is $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. The NFL is jumping into the world of streaming services paid streaming services they're going to launch their own streaming service and guess what it's going to be called nfl plus (laughs) because everything is plus it was disney plus and then it was espn plus and then it was hulu plus and then all the pluses out there well nfl is going to do a plus as well the league is expected to sell the service for about five dollars a month but that of course could change Um, and this is coming from uh, the Sports Business Journal, Ben Fisher of the Sports Business Journal. I like to dive into the Sports Business Journal. There's a lot of good stuff in there if you're not uh, familiar with it. 
The service will be focusing on providing access to watching live games on mobile phones and your tablets. Um, it's not Sunday ticket, however. Fans will be limited to the games they otherwise could see on local TV. Now, previously, Yahoo and some mobile phone character, uh, carriers made those games available for, uh, for streaming purposes. And then other content on NFL Plus will potentially include radio, podcasts, and then other team-related content. Now, getting someone to pay $5 for access to something that is normally free <laughs> might be a difficult sell because anyone in their home could put a set of rabbit ears on their TV, and I'm probably speaking to a whole bunch of people right now that have no idea what I'm talking about. You can put an antenna on your TV that will then grab all of the terrestrial airwaves that are out there floating around and have your TV decode those airwaves and put a picture on the screen. It's amazing. It's technology. It's been working since 1946. It's really cool. You should try it sometime. But it's free. It's out there for everyone's consumption. And the NFL is now saying, we're going to ask you to pay $5 for that to be able to watch it on your phone. Now, to be able to watch the games on your phone, obviously people are so much more mobile nowadays. It lends the thought that the NFL is 100% popular enough now to be able to charge something, a charge for something that is normally 100% free. Now, it's interesting because the NFL actually tried this about a decade ago. Nine years ago, the NFL launched a free streaming service. They didn't charge for it. It was called NFL Now. Now, apparently, NFL Now is still around, but nobody ever knows, nobody knows about it. Nobody ever watches it. But there are people out there nowadays who are spending, like me, spending $15 a month on numerous different streaming services just to have access to something at your convenience can now buy a $5 service, or maybe more. Maybe it's going to be 7 or $8. I don't know. But the, the, according to the initial report, it's going to be 5 bucks for something that is normally free. Now I ask you, is that something that you would be interested in doing? Are you are you would you be looking to spend $5 a month to be able to watch the NFL on Fox on your phone? Now for me, for somebody like me who's constantly moving, like I'm I'm not home all that often. I am on the I'm on the road, I'm moving around. If I could slide my phone into the the holder on my in, in my car, and leave the game on and have it broadcast over the Bluetooth and my speakers in my car while I'm driving, let's say, maybe to Tucson for a game, you know, uh, you know that day. Or, you know, maybe there's a, you know, a basketball game or something like that that I'm driving to. Yeah, damn right, I'll pay five bucks for that access. Absolutely. Because to listen to the game on the radio via, you know, Sirius XM is costing me $22 a month. So, yeah, I would do that. Now, according to Mark Cuban, though, something that he said several years ago, that the NFL is risking implosion by making themselves, giving, giving too much access to the people. He said this, this was March of 2014, so a little over eight years ago. He said, quote, I think the NFL is 10 years away from an, from an implosion. I'm telling you, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, and they're getting hoggy. You just watch. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. When you try to take it too far, people turn the other way. And I'm telling you, when you've got a good thing and you get greedy, it always, 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 this is a direct quote, always turns on you. That's rule number one of business.
I don't think that's rule number one, Mark. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you got a good thing and get greedy, there's greedy people in business everywhere, including yourself. So eh, may not want to say something like that. I mean, Mark, Mark Cuban is, can, get, can, can be as greedy as they come uh, out there. We've all seen you on Shark Tank, bro. But, uh, listen, there, there is some credence to what he's saying. However, I feel that the way that society has evolved in those eight years since he made those comments, I'd be willing to bet he would back off of that statement now because people are wanting more access to things. People want more. They want more input, need more input, like Johnny Five. And there's other people out there that are like, what did you just say? Johnny Five, who's that? Check it out. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. We'll return with more after this on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Oh, college football continues to rage on, and I do mean rage, with coaches raging on one another. And it's funny because, you know, honestly, one of the biggest problems with with the state of, of college sports right now, okay, uh, as it stands, it, it is generated by the coaches themselves. And what I'm talking about is tampering. Now, tampering is one of those things that you kind of it, – it, it doesn't really get noticed all that often, mainly because – we don't, you know, we, we don't see, we, we feel like there's other reasons why a player would enter the transfer portal and go to another team. You know, why would, you know, Caleb Williams obviously would follow his coach to USC from Oklahoma, but why did he do that? Well, it's technically against the NCAA bylaws once Lincoln Riley accepted the USC job to then ask his quarterback to come with him, the same way that the former Arizona baseball coach uh, took with him many of the players to his new spot at LSU. Okay, it's called tampering, and it's against NCAA bylaws. The funny thing is, though, is that the NCAA doesn't really consider that to be a real, I guess, uh, a, a a real uh, damaging or disciplinary type of uh, of of action. In fact, tampering is only considered a level two violation. Now. The interesting thing about tampering in the NCAA and all this other stuff is how often does the NCAA investigate tampering? Now, according to an NCAA rules seminar that was uh, held last year, there were a total, in a, in a, and this is a total, folks, of seven potential transfer tampering violations reported on all of college football from 2018 to 2021. Seven. Okay, in those four years, of which one, yes, one of them was actually charged. And again, it's a it's a level two violation. So it's not like these guys are getting in serious trouble for this. Okay, the most serious case that was documented recently was when a UNC Greensboro men's soccer coach who resigned in 2019 after it was found that he had impermissibly contacted 13 players from his former team. Okay, now, this is 
North Carolina Greensboro men's soccer. Okay, he had impermissibly contacted thirteen players from his former team. The school had to pay a whopping five thousand dollar fine for this. <laughs> That's it. He resigned. Okay, he's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to resign from my position. This is obviously you know thirteen level two violation. Thirteen level two violations was a five thousand dollar fine. Some of you remember Shaheen Holloway, the head coach of St. Peter's basketball, the the team that went on the torrential run in the NCAA tournament this year as a 15 seed, upset Kentucky, upset a, a lot of teams on the way until they finally got their way out. Got the head coaching job at his alma mater, Seton Hall. Guess what? Shaheen Holloway actually had to serve a four-game suspension for tampering in 2019 was he, when he was an assistant at Seton Hall. Do you know what he did? He had a documented 243 impermissible contacts with the mother of a Syracuse basketball player who ended up transferring to Seton Hall. 243 impermissible, documented impermissible contacts with the mother of a player. He got a four-game suspension. Then he goes to St. Peter's, is the head coach there, Gets all the accolades. Oh, Sheen Holloway. And now he's head coach of Seton Hall. Nobody even knows. Nobody even knows that he did this. Like, it's all just forgotten because it's a level two violation. NCAA doesn't care about tampering. So the coaches, because based on these numbers here, in college football there were seven tampering violations reported. One of them was charged. We see the little slap on the wrist for 13 players impermissibly contacted from your former team, a $5,000 fine for the school. Imagine, imagine if um, if the situation with the former head coach at Arizona Baseball, if, if he had been fined $5,000, okay, let's say, if he had been fined $5,000 for taking all of, well, no, I shouldn't say all of them, taking a large chunk of Arizona's baseball team with him to Baton Rouge. We, we would have gone with our torches and pitchforks right on to, right into Indianapolis. Being like, we want justice. We want justice. NCAA doesn't care. So the transfer portal, yes, it has become a problem. We all, we all understand it. I think we can all acknowledge that. Transfer portals become a problem. And the NCAA will be announcing probably within the next week or so that there are going to be hard date lines put into place, probably two hard date lines put into place um, for transfer portaling in in the whether you know, the fall sports or the winter sports or the spring sports. Okay, so we're going to see dates put into place from the NCAA. It's got to happen. Um, we we know it's going to happen. We just don't know what the dates are. But the problem is, the coaches. Coaches are continuing to tamper. They're continuing to make impermissible contact with these student-athletes, trying to coerce them to go to another school. I mean, you just keep getting blown up on your phone. Your mom's getting blown up on your phone. Your high school coach getting blown up on their phone, whatever. Eventually, you're going to cave, right? You're going to just be like, all right, I'm sick of dealing with this. I'll either tell them to shut up and go away, or I'll just go join them because what they're selling me sounds good enough. So the coaches can talk about, oh, the the transfer portal is a problem and all this other stuff. Stop tampering. Stop it. 
if, if, you, if you think it's such a problem, start reporting these things. Or lobby the NCAA to make it a level one violation. That'll slow down the tampering real quick, guaranteed. If the NCAA were to increase that violation from a level two to a level one. Because then you have, you know, guys like Shaheen Holloway. Okay, let's just throw him out because that's, that's one of the people that I put, uh, you know, named in this particular, you know, this particular situation. He would have a show cause for the next probably four years as the head coach of Seton Hall would make him a lot less desirable to a team of Seton Hall's stature in the Big East, the team that is competing for Big East titles, for uh, NCAA uh, tournament bids and things like that, bringing on a coach who had 243 impermissible level one violations and a show cause and has been previously suspended, all those things would have been very, very public probably wouldn't have gotten the job. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm with the coaches. I, I, I get it that, that the transfer portal is a problem. But I'll tell you what, you got to start looking from within, man. I, and this is, I, I know this is probably beating a dead horse, and I say this all the time, but change starts from within. I started the show with this today. Change starts from within. Change doesn't start when you pound a table screaming people's names about the things they're doing wrong. That doesn't that that does not instill change. Change starts from within. And in NCAA, it's the same way. Coaches who bang the table, screaming about how the transfer portal's a problem, how NCAA has left them just holding the bag and left to figure out themselves. We got news for you. You might want to talk to your assistants and find out how many of them have contacted players, players' families, players' former coaches impermissibly in regards to coming over to your program. Like, you, you, you may want to look into that. Because if you want to change the way that the transfer portal is being handled and the way the, the movement of these players has been so fluid and so volatile over the last couple of years, it needs to start from within. you got to take a look at yourself first before you start pointing fingers at everybody else. Look and see what's going on in your own backyard. It's too much tampering going on. There's way too many people. Look, there are schools that have upwards of 40 people in their recruiting department, 40, that are doing all these things, whether it be coaches, recruiting coordinators, all this other stuff. The school is paying 40 people to dedicate their lives to recruiting student athletes to come to the school. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's way too much. Like I'm all for people having jobs and everything. I, you know, I'm good. I'm glad those people have jobs. Are there other jobs they could be doing too? Raising money for the for the departments, something. I don't know. Again, I guess it is raising money for the bring more players in, more money. Well, it's all just it's all the almighty dollar. That's all it is. All right, you take a time out. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next, right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Final segment, today's edition. I think we got through quite a bit today. There's an interesting 
thought going around the NFL. The NFL wants to continue to expand. They they want to probably get to the realm of 36 teams in the league at some point. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but they are looking to expand. That would increase revenue. There are a lot of rich people in the world that are wanting to jump into the realm of the NFL ownership. There are currently five legitimate suitors to buy the Denver Broncos, which are currently valued at right around $5 billion. Now, the NFL, when they do an expand, and they, they will, this, this, there will be an expansion. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. There will be an expansion. The notion is, is that they are going to continue to do things where essentially they will expand into already established NFL cities and teams will be sharing a facility. Not not a practice facility, but they'll be sharing the game day facilities, much like they do in New York and in Los Angeles. Now, if the NFL were to expand by four teams, let's say, let's say they go expansion, which cities would be targets for dual teams? Number one is Dallas. I think Jerry Jones, now Jerry Jones has not said on record whether he would welcome a second team inside his building, but why wouldn't he? It's his building. He owns that ridiculous stadium. The Jerry don't, it's his. It's his building. To have another NFL team play 10 games there, money, 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 money. Okay? He would not say no to that. I think another city would be Chicago. I think that a a situation where there'd be two teams in Chicago, an AFC and NFC team in Chicago, I think that works. How about Arizona? How about Phoenix? State Farm Stadium, still you know, very relevant, obviously hosts a lot of football games every single year, hosts the Fiesta Bowl, is a member of the national championship uh, carousel that goes around in college football. It's, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a great building. Now, it's not a great space because it's out there in Glendale, but, again, it's one day a week we can deal with that. When it's the Coyotes, it's like, oh, go out there on a Monday night, no no thanks. But, sure, you got all day Sunday to think about it and prepare and everything. Yeah, you got all day carved out for the NFL game. You don't mind the the 45-minute drive from the East Valley to, to Glendale. So, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow because there's a le- le- legitimate chance that Arizona would get a second NFL franchise. There's a lot of things going for the state of Arizona, specifically the city of Phoenix, in regards to wanting to have a second team. First of all, it's the fifth largest city in America. It's a megalopolis. It certainly has the infrastructure to handle another team. And if you live kind of like in the area that I live in, not say that I'm rich, I'm still a couple miles away from these, you know, from these homes and stuff. But, I mean, in the offseason, you run into NFL players all the time. I, I, I see NFL players everywhere, like around my neighbor. They all live here. They live here in the offseason. There's a thousand golf courses and things to do. And the weather's great. I think Arizona's a prime location for a second NFL franchise. I'll have some thoughts on that tomorrow, specifically on how it would affect fandom and the Cardinals and everything here in the state of Arizona. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and keeping us on the air. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in today. Be sure to tune in today for Spears and Ali from 3 to 6, and I will see you guys again tomorrow morning, 7 to 9, for the next edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.